Similar to a well-tuned automobile, a guitar requires the same level of attention to perform at its very best. No matter how expensive your guitar may be, we will treat you and your instrument with the utmost respect. Call 920-723-1733 or visit jeffsguitar.com. Jeff's Guitar Clinic in Ford Atkinson, we love guitars. The attorneys at Jingris, Thompson & Walks have had the honor of receiving numerous awards for their work both in and outside the courtroom. But just as important as receiving accolades for being skilled attorneys, it's equally important to give back to the community in which they live and work. If you want a personal attorney that can help you in so many different areas, they've got them. They're in Eau Claire, Madison, Milwaukee, and Waukesha. They're easy to reach. GTWlawyers.com. Welcome to another podcast at SliceOffice.com. Joining us now from the Nation and the Capital Times, John Nichols. John, good morning as we record this on, what is it, January 24th? Mm-hmm. Uh, we are in a weird, weird, weird season. That that <laughs> that carnival at the Trump victory party last night was it's like a scene from Star Wars. Um well I think that's a little insulting to Star Wars. Um <laughs> uh, but uh you know, which I think went made a little bigger effort. Um it was it was weird beyond belief. Um, let's, let's begin with your core concept. This is a weird political season. There's no question of it. Actually, it turned out the New Hampshire primary was pretty darn interesting, uh, despite, you know, all of the, the challenges and flaws and complexities of the season. Um, and Trump did win. Uh, he won with a reasonable percentage of the vote, probably going to be someplace in the 53 to 55 percent, uh, which is telling as regards the direction of the Republican Party. But instead of a victory speech, um, he gave what I guess we're going to have to define as a victory wine, right? <laughs> I mean, it was sort of surreal. Aren't you when, I mean, you, when you're trying to coalesce the party behind you and you want independence, aren't you supposed to kind of bring people in? Well, and, and, and <laughs> you know, here, here's this fascinating thing. You, you really got an insight into Trump. If he doesn't have everything, if it's all not on his side, the only thing he can see is that which he doesn't have, right? And so um, he's knocked out all the other opposition. Half of them are literally standing there, you know, ready to cheer him on. And yet he's so furious that someone is still running against him that he devotes a huge portion of his victory speech to addressing Nikki Haley and attacking her and, and calling people up to attack her and, and you know, making like offhand remarks, Tim Scott, who has to then correct it. I mean, it was a surreal <laughs> insulting the moment. governor of New Hampshire. Oh yeah, what well, was that? Hop, that what was that hopscotch thing? I, what, what, what was he talking I, about? I think it's just a reference to the fact that that Chris Noonan was all over the state. Like he really, okay. he worked very, very hopscotch. hard for. Well, that's an um, that's a that's a rather arcane reference. Uh, yeah, when you're growing up in Queens in the in the forties or you know, that's how it is. Oh but, yeah, I saw um, I, yeah, I watched Goodfellas. I remember that. Okay. There you go. So here's a Donald did have, Trump. But did it well, I just interrupt you for one last time. It kinda of have a little Goodfellas feel to it. Oh, yeah. You're like calling got calling people up saying, Yeah, here watch you say something, but only for a minute. Yeah, exactly. All right, here we go. Here we go. 
You have the very, the now very unpopular governor of this state. This guy, he's got to be on something. I've never seen anybody with energy. He's like uh, hopscotch. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm watching this guy, and two weeks ago he said, we're going to win, we're going to win, and then said, we're going to win. About three days ago he started saying, well, we want to do well. That's a big difference. But I walked out just now, we're 14 points up, and I don't know what it's going to be, but when she was up here, it was like six or seven, and, you know, with like 7% of the vote counted. Now, uh, let, let me just tell you, we, uh, we had an unbelievable week last week in Iowa. We set a record. It was the best in the history of the caucus, in the history. And uh, I remember I sort of had the same feeling. I'm up and I'm watching, and I said, she's taking a victory lap. And we, we beat her so badly, she was, but Ron beat her also. You know, Ron came in second and he left. She came in third and she's still hanging around. The other thing, she only got 25% of the Republican votes. I don't know if you saw that. Tremendous numbers of independents came out because in this state, because you have a governor that doesn't frankly know what the hell he's doing in this state, in the Republican primary, they accept Democrats to vote. In fact, I think they had 4,000 Democrats, Democrats before October 6th. They already voted. Now, they're only voting because they want to make me look as bad as possible. Because if you remember, we won in 2016. And if you really remember, and if you want to play it straight, we also won in 2020. <laughs> by more. And we did much better in 2020 than we did in 2016. But as they said, we lost by a whisker, just by a whisker. No, 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 but we can't let that happen. You know, you have to have people that speak up. I said, I can go up and I can say to everybody, oh, thank you for the victory, it's wonderful. It's one. Or I can go up and say, who the hell was the imposter that went up on the stage before and like claimed a victory. She did very poorly, actually. She had to win. The governor said, she's gonna win, she's gonna win, she's gonna win. Then she, she failed badly. Now I have here, if he promises to do, to do it in a minute or less, but the only person more angry than, let's say me, but I don't get too angry, I get even. The only person, The only per because he was there, and he did fantastically well, by the way, and then he endorsed me. And we don't have to talk about Tim Scott, who, by the way, just got engaged, we have to tell you. Okay, that's enough of that. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, years ago, Russ Feingold showed me how he organizes things for a speech and how he would lay them out, make a major point, then go A, B, C, D with the points that back that up. He laid it all out for me. If you were to diagram Donald Trump's speech there, what the hell? He he jumps from one thing to another within two sentences and then contradicts himself. I'm going to go. I think that you might want to play the Who song, Pinball Wizard. <laughs> uh, although not really a wizard, but it's, it's a it's a pin, pinball kind of thing. You know, it's kind of bouncing around. You don't really know where it's going to end up. And you just always, if you're a Trump backer, you always have to be at the ready because you might be called to the mic. And, and notably, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy was, was not the only person he called to the mic. He had some, I think, border agent or somebody bring, he brought up there as well. 
And and then, you know, Tim Scott, he's referencing, and then Scott has to come up and, you know, kind of correct that he doesn't actually hate the woman who appointed him to the U.S. Senate. Um, it was it was a chaotic speech. And you know what? This is the interesting thing. If you're a Biden advocate, right, if, if you're Biden's camp, you're liking this, right? And, you know, Trump is actually maintaining the division within the Republican Party. He's lifting up his opponent. I think there's a very good chance that that speech actually helps Haley with her donors. Now, her donors are going to look at her total and say she didn't do all that well. Um, but Trump is so freaked out by this, maybe it's worthwhile to keep moving money into her campaign. So I think she benefits, actually, by that attack. But Trump himself is harmed, because here was his chance. He's won Iowa. He's won New Hampshire, in both cases with the majority of the votes. New Hampshire was probably Haley's best state, and he beat her, you know, by probably double digits. This is his chance to go up there and give his best speech ever. And weirdly enough, in Iowa, he kind of did. The speech he gave in Iowa was a uniting speech. It was basically like, you know, we've won, let's go forward and, you know, build it out. Um, This New Hampshire speech kind of undoes all that and suggests somehow that he thinks he's going to be in a, you know, an ongoing race and it's going to be a a nasty and difficult race. I I actually think Trump's vision of of going forward is is worse than it is for him, Uh, but Again, as I said, for the Biden camp, so be it. Here's uh, Nikki Haley last night in her, I don't know what you would call it, her speech that she was moving. It's, a, it's it, Sly. Yes. It's her, Bill, it's her Bill Clinton. Ah, yes. The comeback kid. Here we go. A Trump exactly. nomination is a Biden win and a Kamala Harris presidency. Donald oh! Trump. Defeat Biden handily. With Donald Trump, you have one bout of chaos after another. This court case, that controversy, this tweet, that senior moment. You can't fix Joe Biden's chaos with Republican chaos. The other day, Donald Trump accused me of not providing security at the Capitol on January 6th. (laughs) Now, I've long called for mental competency tests for politicians over the age of 75. (laughs) Trump claims he'd do better than me in one of those tests. Maybe he would. Maybe he wouldn't. But if he thinks that, then he should have no problem standing on a debate stage with me. All right, the last part was pretty good. What is what is this Biden chaos that she's talking about? I don't know. I guess the best economy and look, um, look, Joe Biden is a low drama president. There is simply no question of that. And the notion that somehow there's chaos surrounding Biden is, is I think it's going to be a hard sell. I think it works well within the, maybe the Republican camp to some extent. And, and I think that Haley has to say something that, that suggests that she's, you know, 
Loyal. Like, right, the Shadan I bite, I guess, for lack of a better term. So this is her phrase that she does. And you'll notice that she spends a lot of time by trying to make Biden the same as Trump, right? Talking about, you know, their 80-year-olds, each party having its 80-year-old, um, this chaos line, a whole bunch of other things. And, and I think it's, it's, you know, it's part of some consultant strategy, because I think she's a very consultant-driven candidate, um, to present her as an alternative to both Biden and Trump, which is uh, essential to, to her going forward. The problem is the Trump people don't hear that, right? I mean, and, and the base of the Republican Party, I don't think, hears that. That is, that is a relatively gentle appeal to crossover voters and the kind of folks that, you know, roughly half the people who voted in New Hampshire's Republican primary were independents or Democrats who had re-registered. And so this is her, you know, I think chaos is not that horrible a word, and I think that was one of the ways that she speaks to them. Um, but it's not something you take forward. I mean, it's, you know, look, the only thing people take away from that speech was the, the later part you played, and that is the, the fact that to go forward, she has to, you know, make a, a, a bolder, more aggressive assault on Trump, right? Um, because Trump, everything that, that you know about what's wrong with Trump, you already know, right? So she's got to frame it in a more effective way. The thing that she's adding to this campaign is the suggestion that Trump is losing it, right? That he has some mental incapacity, some, you know, you know diminishment of his skills. And um, she did that in the speech there. Presumably she's going to continue to do that. I, I don't think that that wins over a lot of Republicans, but it probably does Biden a tremendous favor going toward November. I don't want people to think, because a lot of people are just hearing about her now. They don't know anything about her. She's a terrible person. She, you know, look what she did with the Kamala Harris thing. There's an, an appeal to racism right there. Uh, but she's a terrible person. She was one of the most anti-union, vicious. She calls herself a union buster. She's a very cynical person. She's an opportunist. Uh, she's a terrible person. But by comparison, <laughs> she's somewhat more normal than their presumptive nominee. Well, and that's, I mean, that's been her selling point from day one, right? Um, she is a proper extreme right-wing Republican, Right as opposed to an improper extreme right-wing Republican. That's, that's the selling point. And you know what's why? It worked in New Hampshire. It was highly successful. If you look at those exit polls, if Haley was relying just on base Republican voters, I mean, people who regularly participate in Republican primaries, who never cross over to the Democrats, who don't ever vote for a Democrat in November, if she was relying just on them, she probably would have gotten roughly the same percentage she got in Iowa. You know, someplace in the, probably, it may have been a little better, it might have been into the 20s, but she wouldn't have gotten, you know, what she got. A, a huge portion of, of her vote, what got her, you know, into the 40s there, was independents. Many of them probably Republican-leaning independents, maybe people who were historically, you know, more Republican, as well as a you know, some portion of Democrats who re-registered, I think, solely to to try and embarrass or undermine. Well, Trump. let's go back to 2000. Uh, I don't know if you were part of this or not. I can't remember. 
you were certainly on my radio program frequently in 2000 as we talked about the presidential race. The Wisconsin primary, I voted for John McCain because <laughs> Al Gore had already locked up the nomination. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I vo- it, is the, it is the only time I have ever voted for a Republican in my life. Uh, but I was just creating mischief. Well, I don't know if that's mischief. It's also sending a message, right? Um, and I think I'm not sure it if that was year was. Well, maybe. But I'm not sure. I think that year the Cap Times may have encouraged people to vote in the Republican primary on the case. So I, I remember, not- I think the Capitol Times encouraged people to vote for John Anderson in the primary against Ronald Reagan. Oh, I'm sure of that. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> enthusiastically. But, but what I'm telling you is um, there is a there is an opportunity to send a message regarding, you know, the broader political body politic for what it's worth in a primary where you enter in and you vote for an alternative to somebody that you think is really bad. That's there's, there's a lot of history in that. In fact, um, you know, even it's, it's happened many times in democratic primaries where people have crossed over and voted, you know, for an alternative to, to a particular player. Um, and that happens in open oh, primaries. Republicans love coming over and voting for George Wallace. They voted for Scoop Jackson. There's lots of. I remember my grandpa, who was a big time Republican on my dad's side, voting for Scoop Jackson in the 1972 <laughs> Wisconsin well, primary. And you remember that Rush Limbaugh ran a big campaign, I think it was 2008, to vote for Hillary Clinton. Because <laughs> she thought that Hillary Clinton would be, he thought that Hillary Clinton would be weaker than Barack Obama. Well, but 2008, Hillary or Barack Obama were going to be the next president. The, right. the uh, economic situation made that clear. We'll take a break. John Nichols with us from the Capital Times right here at SliceOffice.com. When you're looking for a new computer or need help with one you already own, call 231-8000 and Madison Computer Works will get things up and running for you. Madison Computer Works, computers that work for you. Welcome back to SliceOffice.com, brought to you by our friends at Madison Computer Works and also Jeff's Guitar Clinic in Fort Atkinson. All right, John Nichols from the Capital Times and The Nation with us. So uh, Trump is sending out some of his female surrogates to attack Nikki Haley. I thought you'd uh, love to hear these. Should we start out with Marjorie Taylor Greene or Kellyanne Conway? I was like Kellyanne better. Okay. Here's Kellyanne Conway last night. This is on Fox. Uh, You see why he's running. He's doing this for the people. The people want him. And I think the inflection point for him was East Palestine, Ohio. Mm. Ron DeSantis grew up within a half an hour away from East Palestine, Ohio. He has relatives in that area, never went. Pete Buttigieg had to go kicking and screaming. Joe Biden wouldn't go. It's Donald Trump who reminded everybody, forgotten man, forgotten woman, and forgotten child, have a place at his table. I see a guy having a little bit of fun. I see a guy confident and competent going into South Carolina. And the person who I thought was a little bit edgy and salty tonight was If you were, if you were up 30.2% uh, you? in South Carolina, you might be a little confident she, you as know, well. She went after his yeah. competence today and said he had a senior moment. I don't really care for that. People accuse Trump of behaving that way. He's been uh, taking a lot of income. And look, it's a long road ahead of us. But give the man his due. In 2012, when we were covering these races, you had three different winners of Iowa Caucus, New Hampshire primary, South Carolina, Newt Gingrich. Um, This is for him to sweep those first three states. It's pretty decisive. Last point. This is a democracy, a constitutional republic. We must respect the will of the people. (laughs) 
<laughs> well. That, <laughs> as Michelle Bachman would say, that's a whole lot of uh, chutzpah. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a, uh, you might want to keep that clip. Uh, <laughs> you have to admit, like, she was being a better surrogate for Trump last night than Trump was for Trump. But, oh, my God, that is so, uh, that is so outrageous. <laughs> Gotta expect. It seems to me your vote and my vote, didn't they try to throw those out? Uh, they did, in <laughs> fact, with a, with a boost from Ron Johnson. And, look, uh, the, the bottom line on all this is that, um, you know, Kellyanne Conway is usually one of the better spokespeople for Trump, right? She does a better job of kind of framing it in there. And um, and and I I will say that while it took some chutzpah there. Um, a chutzpah, her, you have to say like Michelle Bachman. Chutzpah. You got to do the Michelle Bachman line. But her, that's what she said there is what Trump should have said. Right. In his <laughs> and you'll recall that once upon a time she did prepare his remarks. Uh, or at least try to, and it's very telling that that that's how easy it would have been for Trump to make a victory speech, right? You just heard it, and yes, it would have been cynical. Yes, it would have been absurd. We would have laughed at some elements of it, but it would have been a much better appeal to the great mass of people than you know literally saying, "Vivek, come on up here," but only for a minute. Uh, all right, here here's Marjorie Taylor Greene now, your girlfriend Marjorie down in Georgia. Here she is. President Trump. Well, you know, what we're really seeing tonight is there is this, uh, something coming out. Out of the exit polls, we're seeing more independents, more Democrats voting in the Republican primary here in New Hampshire. These are fake numbers. Nikki Haley does not have this much support. She's going to come out and claim that she's rising in the polls. All these fake news media people up here on this platform are going to claim that Nikki Haley is rising in the polls. It's a total complete lie. Absolute lie. Tonight, Nikki Haley was defeated. The problem is she's going to be dumb enough and she's going to be a fake candidate and she's going to keep going and we are going to destroy her in South Carolina. It's going to be a, com a complete humiliation. I can't wait to see it happen. So I'm fired. And, and, we, and, and we will. Unfortunately, we will. And we shouldn't have to do that. Well, what should happen is she should go ahead and drop out and get out of this. Is it the donors and the, and the consultants? Uh, so, Mean oh. Girls 3, starring Marjorie mean. Taylor Greene. I talk about Marjorie Taylor mean. Um, <laughs> boy, that was, that was striking. You know, we will destroy her. And I, and I think that that's one of the reasons why Trump likes Greene. I will tell you, in fairness to Greene, though, um, at the heart of her analysis, there was some accuracy in it. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't say that they're fake. I mean, there were, there were, you know, those were real human beings that voted. Yeah, they weren't absolutely. bots. They weren't robots. Um, but by the same token, let's understand this. Nikki Haley actually failed badly in New Hampshire yesterday. It isn't that, you know, most of her votes, or not most of them, but a portion of her votes were coming from independence and depth or anything like that, or even that she was 10 points behind um, Trump, her failure was that she didn't actually pull together a full McCain, right? And what is a full McCain? It is that in 2000 and 2008, John McCain was essentially running against the core.
core of his Republican Party, right? He needed to get around them to get himself, you know, a victory in New Hampshire and traction going forward. And he did. Now, the full McCain involved, you know, literally getting massive numbers of independents and even re-registering Democrats to join with a solid base of Republicans. Now, Haley just didn't, she didn't quite have that. She didn't get, she didn't well, get to gain it. But the difference is John McCain read a better campaign. He was accessible to saying. everyone. Yes. He, he stayed on one message. He's a more authentic individual. Um, he has he an, I think that's more appealing. And one other thing about McCain, when Bush or Romney or some of the more right-wing candidates running in those years, um, when they, they made a mistake or when they went after him in some way, he knew how to rally that, how to build that into something. And so when Trump went after Haley, miss, you know, stating her first name, uh, basically attacking her parents for being immigrants, suggesting even that she might not be qualified to run for president because her parents were immigrants. Um, when he did all that, she should have had a, you know, John Kennedy 1960 moment or a McCain-like moment where she literally, you know, talked to a crowd, went before a camera, did it at St. Anselm or some other college or even at a church, someplace where she, you know, really delivered a very serious, very sober message saying, this is who Donald Trump is. He attacks immigrants. He attacks the other. He attacks, you know, anybody who tries to make into the other, right? Anybody who tries to, you know, isolate out and separate out from America. And then for her to say, I want to be the candidate who brings people in, who builds something bigger and something better. You know what I mean? It, she could have, with some effort, crafted a really powerful appeal. And if she'd done that in the last, you know, even the last, you know, 96 hours of the campaign, she might well have gotten that additional boost that she needed, um, but she didn't do it. She really, instead of, of pushing back at Trump when he was really quite vicious in attacking her uh, on her background, on her name, um, she said, well, I don't even pay attention to that. Right? I, I don't think this is spin on my part. I think both Nikki Haley and Donald Trump had a bad evening last night. Yeah, she, I agree. She... She had a bad evening because she didn't really break through. Yep. Uh, and he had a bad evening because he's an incumbent who has a large portion of the party that says they're never going to vote for him. You know, there may be 20% of people that voted for Dean Phillips last night, but those yep. people are not saying they're never going to vote for Joe Biden. The people that are voting against Donald Trump in the Republican primary that are still calling themselves Republicans... They're never Trumpers. Mm -hmm. They're mm -hmm. ne they're never going to vote for him. And if they're if that's twenty five percent of the Republicans, uh, he's toast. Am I wrong? Uh, no, I, I think your <laughs> I think your point is extremely well taken. And um, look, here's the bottom line: Donald Trump. Uh, if you just went with his total, right? You know, that, that what what he got. He got, um, you know, a, a reasonable vote, a decent vote in New Hampshire. And if there was no crossover, he would have had a great, big, huge victory. But the crossover in New Hampshire tells you the people that are up for grabs, right? You know, and that crossover that came into that Republican primary came there to try and defeat Trump. They didn't do so. 
and they're going to go back out of that primary, the exit polling suggests a substantial portion of them will, and, and go over and vote for Joe Biden. If you look at the numbers out of New Hampshire, and frankly, if you look at his message on his, in his so-called victory speech, Trump actually did a lot of things last night, or over the last few weeks, and then finally with this closeout and the way it closed out, um, that suggests that New Hampshire's going to be out of play, that it, there's a pretty good argument to be made that New Hampshire is going to be a good state for Biden, as it was, you know, in, in 2020. Um, that's it's, not been a, for, it's been a swing state since 1992. For a long time. And yeah. It, and remember, it is the state that made George W. Bush president of the United States. Because if New Hampshire had voted for Gore in 2000, and it was, I think, a 7,000-vote difference there, if they had voted for Gore, Florida wouldn't have mattered. And so... This is an important state. It's maybe only a small number of electoral votes, but but in it's an important number. Yeah, in the scheme of things. Yeah. Uh, All right. Uh, Here is President Joe Biden in Manassas, Virginia, obviously the suburbs of Washington D.C. Yesterday, uh, before the election returns came in. So my question to you is simple: Are you ready? Are you ready to defend democracy? Are you ready to protect our freedoms? And are you ready to win this election? Let's get this done. Talk to your families and friends. Organize your community. Register to vote. Get people to the polls. And let's remember who we are. We are the United States of America. And there's nothing Nothing beyond our capacity when we do it together. You know, in some ways, he is so old school. That that portion about we are the United States of America, modern liberals do not like, you know, speaking in that sort of patriotic lingo. That is not the way they communicate. He is completely old school in the way he puts the accentu- accentuation point on the end of a speech by... Uh, always saying, pray for our troops, uh, you know, that we're a great country. I still think that has some residency with residency with people. I think that's a lot of residency. And I don't, I, you know, you're suggesting that there's a portion of the Democratic Party that now wouldn't like that appeal. Yeah, they, yeah. it's not that they're not patriotic, but they don't really like the flowery USA, yeah, USA that, stuff. And yet when you're at the rally, you know, you don't see anybody not cheering at that point, right? Everybody's it, it, there's a there's a certain, um, for lack of a better term, a theater of politics, and and Biden's good at it, right? And even if it is old school, it is still something that I think people recognize and tap into. And you saw him there. There's a couple things about Biden there. Um, uh, you saw him very energetic, right? I mean, he didn't seem weak in any sense. It, as you know, and the criticism of him is that he's not. They're the greatest stump speaker and that he's getting older, blah, blah, blah. There you saw him, you know, I mean, if that's, if that's what he takes on the road, that message uh, worded in exactly that way, um, that's going to be pretty sufficient, I think, going, going through um, the 2024 campaign. All right. Much, now, of, that, much of the criticism, you know, the, the people have tried to frame him as a modern day Jimmy Carter. So let's go back to 1980 and look at the circumstances that were in 
His situation is nothing like the situation Jimmy Carter was in, even though he has struggled with some difficult poll numbers. Well, yeah, his poll numbers have been lousy, let's be clear. Uh, but one of the things you have to understand is the polling may not you know, be as instructive as it once was. Um, in, increasingly, we have evidence that the Biden polls poorly, but that doesn't mean people won't vote for him, right? <laughs> you know, that, that they, they may not be thrilled. They may say, do I approve of Biden and everybody? No, I do not. Am I going to vote for him over Trump? Yes, I am, right? That's, that's sort of the message that comes but- through. But at and this so, point in 1980, Reagan was oh, wrapping up the Republican nomination. He really was. Well, I mean, you know, well, I know Anderson hung in for a while and Bush hung in for a while, but Reagan was coalescing the party behind him in, in 1980, while Jimmy Carter was just beginning a long slog with Ted Kennedy. I mean, that was quite a match. Yeah, because Kennedy actually sort of came back, you know, and, right. and by the way, I remember Jerry Brown was floating into that race, too, and... And so there was an awful lot of people who saw um, Carter as vulnerable and chose to challenge him from within the party. Um, you don't have the same dynamic with, uh, with Biden at this point. He has challengers. Dean Phillips he, is no Ted Kennedy. Uh, I don't think so. And, and Marianne Williamson. Oh, is, she's a powerhouse. She's not Jerry Brown. <laughs> um, and, you know, and, and, and so you've got, and he is, look, it is, totally acceptable and honest to acknowledge that Biden has challenges within his own party. He has a lot of people who really disagree with his position on Gaza. He has a lot of people who wish that he had gone much tougher in pushing, you know, his economic agenda. There's people that disagree, right? That's, that's, but, but they're not necessarily people who won't vote for him in November. Well, I can right. tell you the people who wanted him to push that economic agenda harder don't realize the constraints he has uh, with well, the, the kind of margins he had and the, and the way Washington works. That's right. yeah, there are a lot of young they, people that are very naive that a president can come snap their fingers and fix everything, and unfortunately, they can't. Well, let me give you another notion here. Let me give you this. I don't necessarily think they are naive. I think they may actually know mm, that. I think they are. Me, I think I think the American public has always been naive, and especially young people, about how much a president can change their lives. And I think if we were honest, uh, we have to yeah. say it, th- this is not magic. The, the, the president does not have some elixir. People aren't political pundits, right? People are who they are. They, they, right. they want a president to tell them they're going to do a lot. They want a president to deliver a lot. That, that's the nature of the game. The question is, how will they vote, right? And and with Biden, I think it is just one of the natural realities of this guy that people get disappointed in him. They want more from him. But that doesn't mean they're not going to vote for him. And New Hampshire was actually very instructive. Look at what happened in New Hampshire. Joe Biden personally manipulated the process to make sure that New Hampshire was not the starting point for the presidential race. He'd done poorly in New Hampshire in the past. He did better in South Carolina. They moved it to South Carolina. Um, New Hampshire Democrats were furious about that. They fought it at every turn. Um, he did not come and campaign in New Hampshire. He did not file for the ballot. He didn't put his name on it. The whole bit, by any measure, that's a pretty high level of you know disregard, even disrespect for the state. And yet what happened in that primary 
they came out, and I think when the numbers are all counted, it's probably going to be something like two-thirds of the people who are participating in the primary against the sitting congressman, against the uh, author, a relatively prominent author and former candidate, you know, at, at a very challenging time. He's going to end up with, with, you know, a much higher percentage of the Democratic vote than Trump got of the Republican vote. And so the bottom line is that you can acknowledge that Biden has vulnerabilities that people may, be, may not like him on some level, but they still kind of show up for him. And I well, we have... We do, have a, we do have a broader coalition. I'd say one thing, just in summation here. I wish um, it could be conveyed that, frankly, he's been a more progressive than president than Barack Obama or Bill Clinton. Some of it is because of Bernie and Elizabeth Warren. I know there's a new book out talking about how those people yeah. have really elevated uh, Joe Biden to be a better president. Um, but the truth is Joe Biden's a better president than Bill Clinton or Barack Obama, period. At least from my perspective, as somebody who really believes in, you know, an economic system that is fair for working class people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think you're right about that. And I think that that when all is said and done, um, Joe Biden is going to, you know, I mean, history's going to be pretty generous to him. Um after last night, I w- I'm not going to say Biden's going to for sure get reelected. I think it's still going to be a very tough year. But it looks like there's a decent chance that he can make it through. There's a path. You actually see it out of those New Hampshire results. And if he gets reelected, if he can get reelected, and this is the big test, with a Democratic Congress, that's not going to be easy. But if he gets that, um, and if he governs as aggressively as he did, even more aggressively, ideally, on some of the economic issues in his second term, he could come out, you know, he could easily come out uh, above Lyndon Johnson, above, well, you know, I don't think he, I don't think you beat Roosevelt. That's a pretty tough one. But um, he could come out, Biden could come out as, well, as one of the more successful dem- Democratic presidents in the, you know, last hundred years. The one thing I'm really hoping for, and we got to wrap it up, but is that a lot of effort is put into winning Florida and Texas Senate races. I think, I think those are the dark horse, especially Rick Scott, I think is incredibly vulnerable. And the Democrats have a very decent candidate in that, in that state. I think the Senate's going to be important to at least keep it close. And I think Florida and Texas are the two dark horse races of the year. I think you're probably right. And then I would throw, um, I, you know, maybe it's, it's personal whim. I would throw Missouri in there because well, I know Lucas is a hard race, but Lucas Kuntz is a very, very capable he, candidate. He, he and is. And, is and, and Jason Jason Kander almost won that state a couple, you know, not that long ago. So yeah, so I I keep a few. I want to. I think for the Democrats, if they're smart, they expand their map a little bit. Yes, they go for Texas and Florida, of course. Um, they protect their incumbents, which is not going to be easy in a couple of states like Montana and Ohio. But um, then I think, you know, if you want to get, you know, beyond that, beyond just pulling through, um, then I think that, that put Missouri in the mix, a couple of others, is, is important. John Nichols from the Capital Times and The Nation, thanks for coming on. It's a total pleasure to be with you, brother. SliceOffice.com. Thanks a million. Bye-bye.